but there's a clown gene somewhere in my DNA. Worn out cliche, I'm not sure if I found the accordion or if the accordion found me. I had to think about what on earth can I use this instrument for? But they were just like, of course, that's so you. <laughs> Hello, welcome to this last episode of Talking Experiments from Borealis, a festival for experimental music in Bergen, Norway. I'm Christiane Melgaard, and in this episode, I'm meeting accordion player Andreas Borgård to talk to him about his life in music and his preparations for this year's Borealis. Unfortunately, I was a bit late uh, coming to this, so I didn't have time to make a cup of coffee, but I have a glass of water next to me. I met Andreas on Zoom from his home in Copenhagen, Denmark, and me from my home studio in Bergen. There's no mountains outside. Um, it's in Copenhagen. But there are a couple of trees. It's very grey. It's been very grey and dark for ages now, so I'm really hoping for a bit of sun soon. Andreas Borgård is a um, Danish musician who plays the classical accordion, an instrument that few people link to classical music. Besides being a performer, he is working on his PhD, Just Do It, exploring the musician's use of bodily performance. He's a composer and a teacher of the accordion and is actively influencing the development of this young instrument's use and repertoire. When did you realize that music was your calling? It's kind of been a rugged journey. Um, and, and sometimes it is. But I, I was for a long time very much in doubt Um whether I should kind of pursue the professional uh, career as a musician. What were you in doubt about? Uh, playing accordion is kind of a odd instrument. Um, there's no beaten track you can follow. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's really... There are not that many kind of role models. You don't sort of see what, what, where can you go with this. Um But I did apply to the academy, and uh, I think during first or second year, I I was playing some uh, playing music, and I sort of finally started to work in the way that my former teacher had probably asked me and tried to push me to do since we started working together, um, which had very much to do with this whole thing about communication, realizing that what you play is something you want to communicate to an audience it's not a question of um, solving a sudoku and, and play the score right uh, it's about expressing um, the really the emotional content of the material that you have uh, in that piece basically it was one particular piece where I remember it uh, I, I started make, really just making up an imaginary row of like settings or uh, tableaus for this music to really just to myself make a very specific idea of the the music and its content sort of the what it was about in a way or what, how i saw it what kind of scenery what kind of atmosphere it was presenting mm. and doing this work like using my imagination and focusing on these my own let's say story with the music freed me totally and just very much heightened the quality of what I was doing with my instrument and how it came across. 
Um, yeah. At least that's what I was told. So, <laughs> so that was like that was really an eye opener and ear opener and everything opener for me. So for you, it's also a lot about communicating a presence. I think that's a side effect. The presence as such is, is not necessarily the goal, but it's uh, it's a necessity to be present um, in order to communicate strongly hmm. or to create that sort of uh, the, that communicative bridge to the audience. Mm. But in my mind, it, it, it has to do with uh, keeping the body and mind in the same place in time, really. So, uh, and that often in performance situations has to do with controlling that your thoughts aren't sort of going all over the place. And you're, whilst your body is just uh, executing uh, a, a well-practiced, you know, uh, muscular uh, activity. So it's not like, I, I'm not trying to sort of, impose my own personal um, feelings and emotions necessarily on, onto a piece as such. The interesting task is to figure out what is in what, what is within that piece. How can I take how can I put myself into that realm, which is the piece, and be as honestly and fully uh, expressive and you know present through myself, with myself, but in within the context of the piece. think about the classical accordion I would probably mainly think of it as an instrument related to folk music but you use it in classical music how did you find your instrument well to use uh, an almost uh, <laughs> uh, worn out cliche I'm not sure if I found the accordion or if the accordion found me <laughs> <laughs> No, but actually, it was pure coincidence. Um, yeah, I, I, it was in the kindergarten. Um, I grew up in a, a suburb to Copenhagen where the local music school had a very well-developed accordion class. Um, the teacher was really uh, amazing uh, and very enthusiastic um, and had good connections to the academy in Copenhagen. He had lots of students in let's say all ages really from kids to to adults and so there was one in my kindergarten who had started playing because her mom played and then I tried you know I was at her place one afternoon 
And I got to try her new little tiny, teeny uh, kids accordion. And I thought that was kind of fun. And so then when my parents suggested to me and my um, older brother at that time uh, that uh, that we should play an instrument, or if we wanted to play an instrument, I, I wanted to play the accordion because I had just tried that and it was fun. So, you know, it's not like, it's not a very deliberate decision. It just happened. It had a very practical impact that because it's quite a heavy instrument, so you can't bicycle with it. I had to, my parents had to drive me to the music school of course, I was the guy who played the accordion, and maybe I was a bit geeky in that sense. Uh, I don't think it was the only geekiness I <laughs> um, I had. I don't think it was any more... Uh, it, it wasn't any different for me than playing football would be for someone who played football. And then of the, of the occasional, oh, can you play for the Christmas uh, blah, 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 or... You know, you, you're hardly, I guess you're not very often asked as a as a badminton uh, player if you could bring your racket and do a bit <laughs> of badmintoning no. for the, the Christmas show. <laughs> do you think that the choice of your instrument gives you freer hands in challenging and questioning classical music compared to more traditional instruments? I think to some extent it might. There's really no beaten track for the accordion yet. Uh, so I think it's it's benefited me greatly that since before even entering the academy, I had to think about what on earth can I use this instrument for? You know, how can I put together a meaningful um, work life that will also sort of, you know, pay my rent? Uh, once I'm done so so just this constant uh, entrepreneur on your shoulder kind of trying to <laughs> uh, or the voice in your head saying well you have to think of something for next year and you, what about this what can you do what you know I think that has been a a quite good thing really which is coming from the accordion as a as a as un, uh, typical instrument and how did you go from playing the instrument to a more performative way of using your body and own voice in your performances? What did you miss from playing the accordion that the live performance with your voice and body could add? I think it might have actually been a relatively gradual development. Okay. Um, I've I've always been attracted to more theatrical uh performance and stage um i never did a lot of it during my education because there just aren't that many uh many pieces that include that or there wasn't at the time uh now it's opening more, more up and also i think uh it, it i guess it wasn't perhaps the main focus from my teacher's point of view uh, and i'm actually quite happy for that because at that time it was more of a question of really learning fundamental things in music and on the accordion rather than opening up for all sorts of things uh, from day one however when I played one of the actually the um, one of the pieces I premiered at Borealis a couple of years ago um, when I played that in Copenhagen the the self-care piece by Jennifer Walsh 
some of my old uh, classmates from high school were there, and I don't think they'd seen me perform anything like that. But but they were just like, of course, that's so you. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that you know, I had been involved in all sorts of clownery uh, in a way in, in the or quasi sketch making theater uh, uh, satire thing. Um, that you know, there's there's kind of a there's a, there's a clown gene somewhere in my DNA, I think. <laughs> okay. And although it's nice to think of the accordion or any instrument really as limitless to the expression you want to create, so that's kind of you know that's what a lot of instrumentalists are striving for is to be as accomplished and as closely connected to the instrument that it becomes part of them. You know, it's kind of the cliche again that. Oh, uh, it's as if she were one with her instrument or whatever. But it still is a very refined and cultivated tool to express uh, sound. So, so there is, no matter how uh, nuanced and how deep you can go into that realm, then, of course it is sort of limited by something <laughs> and breaking out of that very, um, I, I don't want it to sound like a negative thing that it is that cause it's, it's, it, you could, I could probably also easily spend the rest of my life only playing accordion, instrumental accordion music. Um, and I really still uh, enjoy that very much. But the fact that you can suddenly use your entire body and your voice, which is such such a personal thing, it's so deeply connected and, and closely connected to your sense of identity. Um, that it sort of just catapults the yeah the sense that you are working with yourself, that you are uh, f- expressing something more rich or more fully uh, with with more aspects of yourself than you're able to do with uh in quotation mark only an instrument you can say that that perhaps the accordion has it has a little bit of uh it's a more it's a very natural position you sit with the instrument you know you have a free neck and a free face uh you you don't have to hold as a violin or a flute like in these distorted angles. Um, you're sort of grounded, uh, center stage, facing the audience. Um, the instrument in itself is very linked linked to human anatomy, with the bellows as the central part, which is our lungs uh, when we sing. Uh, this whole vocal quality that the instrument has, um, you have the completely controllable organic dynamic you can start a note from nothing and you know make a big swell and make it disappear again um which you can't do on the piano for instance but i think the sense of the sound producing quality is very vocal yeah i mean i use singing as as a in my own practicing and in my teaching a lot so you know having crossed the maybe a little frightening border of singing in front of my teacher and uh, to instruct students or chamber music partners then the next step to sing as part of a piece on the stage wasn't that tremendous you know 
the ways that I've worked with the music uh, and the ways that I use my body when working with the music, not only in you know pushing my the buttons on the accordion, but sensing the pulse, sensing the tension, sensing the direction and the presence and everything, the character. Um, how does that transfer to only movement or walking across the stage or using my voice? And is that comparable to any methods, uh, you know, that's been developed over hundreds of years, more or less in acting, for instance. Uh, so I, I find it very, very interesting as well. Andreas Borgård performed at Borealis in 2017, and this year he was meant to return, but due to COVID-19 travel restrictions and Norwegian border closures, unfortunately he won't make it to Bergen for the second time. Instead, we will premiere two films especially made for the festival, digital versions of the commissioned works by Philip Venables and Marcella Lucatelli he would have performed live. I wondered, why did he choose to commission these quite political composers? Well, um, I, because I like them. <laughs> I think they have something that they want to pursue. They have a, I don't know if they have a mission, but they certainly, you know, they have something at heart. Uh, and... I, I, I've seen other pieces, uh, some of their earlier works, and I was just, uh, I was drawn to that. And um, and of course, the fact that they work with performance uh, in a in a broader sense than only musical performance for a musician uh, made it, I wouldn't say obvious, but uh, um, yeah, a natural. Uh, choice maybe to to approach them uh, for this project the rain will keep I would also like to just ask you as a really inspiring artist what you're inspired by at the moment. I think actually what I the album I listened to most recently was um, a recording of uh, Telemann Concertos by uh, the Danish recorder player Bolette Rod and the Polish Baroque ensemble Arte de Suonatori and I think that's a fantastic album which is just uh, Maybe some, I don't know, if you don't know Telemann that well, you think, and I actually didn't, still, I don't, uh, you would think, oh, that's oh, that's just some Baroque, it might be boring or whatever. It's recorder and, and Baroque violins, how interesting can that be? But it really can be very interesting. And this album shows how diverse and um, curious and uh, interesting and humorous that this this music can be. So I strongly recommend that. Um, if you want to read a good book, I think you could um, you could choose uh, Jonas Eikas, um, After the Sun, If the Sultan. Um, 
for which he was awarded the uh, what's it called the Nordic Council's Literature Prize last year. An amazing uh, collection of short stories, I guess, uh, that all sort of are intertwined. Um, very poetic and weird and like bodily, actually. Uh, maybe that's why I liked it. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andreas. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for talking to me, Andreas Borgo, and thank you for listening to this last episode of Talking Experiments. You can see and hear the digital premieres of works by Philip Venables and Marcella Lucatelli online through the Borealis website on Saturday the 20th of March at 7pm. The two pieces Andreas will play at Borealis 2021 are part of his artistic PhD project Just Do It, exploring the musician's use of bodily performance. All the music you've heard today is performed by Andreas Borgo and more and credited in the podcast text below this episode. You can find more details of all of our projects at borealisfestival.no and do check out the other episodes of Talking Experiments to hear more about our 2021 festival. Make sure to spread the word and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Talking Experiments was presented and produced by me, Christiane Melgaard, for Borealis. <laughs>